Welcome to With Heart and Wonder. This is a place for us to explore heart-centered living and to celebrate what it means to live with wonder, with awe and appreciation for the possibilities that are within us and around us. I'm Megan Johnston, and I am truly so honored and excited that you are here. Let's dive in and journey together. Welcome. I am so glad that you're here. This is episode 76. And if it happens to be your first time tuning into the podcast, I'm Megan. I'm a life and creativity coach. I teach restorative yoga and I host this podcast, which is all about heart-centered living, supporting you to live a life that is playful, curious, and filled to the brim with a whole lot of courage and compassion. Today's episode feels a little bit like divine timing. It's been in the works for a little while, but in the month of May, we just did this podcast listener survey. And one of the questions that I asked was if you had a magic wand and could have any episode you wanted, what would it be? And one listener wrote that they really would love to hear from somebody who I journeyed through life coaching training with. And so I'm really excited to bring you today, not just someone who I journeyed through coach training with, but someone who was quite honestly one of the most integral parts of that journey because she was my coaching buddy. We're going to talk about exactly what that means, but I wanted to take a quick moment first on the topic of this listener survey to give the biggest shout out to every single person who filled out our first ever listener survey. Quite honestly, your responses blew me away. They filled me with so much excitement and insight, and all of these little sparks of creativity. And I just wanted to let you know that I'll be doing my very best to incorporate all of your thoughts and ideas to make this show an even more expansive and inspiring place for us to keep playing and growing together. As part of this listener survey, I got to draw a few names for some incredible prizes. And I just wanted to let you know that if you weren't one of those lucky winners this go around, We can still always connect. I'm always available for 30-minute free coaching consultations where we have the chance to get to know each other and talk more about what's going on in your life, what you're looking to shift, and help you find whatever it is that you're seeking. All you have to do for one of those is reach out to hello meganjohnston.com. They're totally free, zero pressure, just a chance for us to get to know each other a little bit more. Okay, so today's episode with the one and only Catherine Leonard. This episode feels so close to my heart because Catherine is so close to my heart. It's been such a gift to have her as part of my life over the last year. And in this episode, we talk more about our journey moving through life coach training together with the Beautiful You Coaching Academy, something we did in 2022. And we also talk about one of Catherine's zones of genius, like her magic, which is all about self-trust. You know that you're going to adore her and that you're going to leave this episode with some incredible golden nuggets. So let's dive in. Welcome, Catherine. I am just like buzzing with excitement to have you here today. It means so much to me to get to bring you into this space and to share your magic with every single person listening Thank you so much for having me. I feel really honored to be invited 
And it feels fun to sort of explore this space together. We've not explored it yet. Exactly. And it's so cool. We recently did a podcast listener survey and I asked as part of the survey, like if people had a magic wand and could have any episode on any topic with any guest, what would it be? And one of the people actually said, like, I'd love to hear more from the people who you trained alongside with when you did your coaching journey. And that, of course, is how you and I met. You and I got to share a super special experience, which is going through the whirlwind of life coach training, an expansive whirlwind of coach training. And we were paired together as buddies, which felt like the greatest gift, like one of the biggest gifts to have you be introduced in such a deep, intimate way into my life and to let that blossom into friendship. Let's just talk about this coach journey because like it's a journey. What was it like for you? Yeah, it is a journey. I came to life coaching, well, because I had spent some time exploring, um, you know, my my background is in sports medicine. Um, and so with athletic training, I had sort of hit, you know, I'd been in college athletics, I transitioned to working in the clinic, and I had done a um, kind of a deep dive of what it was about athletic training that I loved because I'd sort of hit the ceiling of where I wanted to expand into as far as that career goes. There wasn't much more that I wanted to get out of it, you know, so to speak. And so um, when I did a deep dive, my heart kept just gravitating towards, I like to be be with people on the journey and I like to be with people who are hurting and healing. And my exploration of that kind of led me to life coaching. And um, I was actually working with a therapist at the time who had done the Beautiful You Coaching Academy. She highly recommended it. So I did some research of it and it just was this overall, because I've, I've looked at, I had looked at several different academies and this one, I just was like, I'm, I'm in, you know, it didn't, it just was this very guttural, um, instinctive feeling that this was the one. And, um, so I chose that and then, yes, we, you know, I signed up for the buddy system. There were commitments to being a buddy, which would mean they wanted you to take it really seriously because this is a partnership and, um, you know, that partnership has two sides. So when I was reflecting, I, I felt like, yeah, I can commit to this. This is definitely something I want to get out of it. And then you and I were paired and it just felt like such a, I mean, providential pairing, I think for the season that I was in, I was in a big transition at the time, getting a divorce. And, um, and I think, you know, I was a little nervous at first that you would maybe be worried about like, oh, you know, is she going to be like preoccupied with that rather than being able to be fully in? But it ended up being like such a gift that you were able to walk with me through that from a coaching perspective. Mm. And from a friendship perspective, I feel like you'd agree too. I mean, absolutely. We were both going through huge transitions and a lot of both the hurting and the healing. And you've described yourself before. I honestly don't remember where, Catherine, if it was like in an email or working on your bio, but I remember seeing you somewhere describe yourself as like a come alongsider, 
And Mm. I feel like that is exactly what you are and where so much of your magic is, is like being right alongside. And that is the incredible gift that I got of getting to have you right by my side for this entire journey. And anyone who's been through coach training, regardless of what school or training institute, like it brings up a lot of stuff and it's a lot of stuff to work through. And and in part, because you're being asked to do the work and to get curious and to, to go deeper and to have this come alongside her and someone who is mm, not just a cheerleader, because I think that is one of your strengths, but also just, I think you are just so fiercely committed to showing up authentically that it and just to like going there the emotions coming up or whatever like that's one of your gifts is holding space for that i honestly can't imagine what it would have looked like without you by my side yeah i feel the exact same way i feel the exact same way and i think it's funny that i said that because i still feel equally strongly about being a come alongsider and mm-hmm. what that means to me is a come alongsider is is you know somebody who is not afraid of the truth who can comfortably let somebody go through their journey on their terms you know i don't need my clients or my friendships or my family relationships i don't need them to um morph or adjust their grief or struggle or excitement, you know, to make me more comfortable, I I would say. It's, I think being somebody who comes alongside is somebody who can let, let someone go through their process. Does that make sense? I'm not sure if I'm saying that like the most concisely, no, it, but. It's beautifully articulated. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think a part of that and what I've witnessed in, in kind of watching you and I mean, not just in our relationship together, but with others too, is really this, like a willingness to hold space for it all and the messiness of it all, like the all of the emotions that can be there and showing up in different ways, all of the past versions of ourselves, the stories that we're carrying, the hope for the future. Like I feel like there is such a beautiful way in which you can hold space for all of that at the same mm-hmm. time, which is really impactful. Yeah. Yeah. And you and I did that together for each other. You know, when I think about kind of the roles in reverse about me serving as your buddy coach, the if I feel discomfort with what you're going through, I'm going to need you to fix it so that I feel more comfortable. But if I know that you are the agent of your life and powerful and strategic and strong and fully capable of making the adjustments you need to make, then I can just come alongside because then you can make them at your pace on your time. And I, and it doesn't have like your pace doesn't affect me, if that makes sense. It and does. I think the roles are 
were reversed. You know, you were able to just hold space for my big transitions and um, different feelings coming up in different coaching sessions with with how we were moving through that. I never felt like you were upset or distressed by what I was going through, which meant you could coach me from a really effective place because you didn't need me to move through sadness faster Mm -hmm. so that you could feel okay about it. You could let me sit and be with that sadness as long as I needed to, or that hope or that disappointment or whatever it was that the feeling was. You articulated that just now so beautifully. And I know that one of the things that as, as I put on this new hat as a coach, one of the things that I've noticed is, you know, there's still a lot of kind of like misunderstanding around what even a coach is and what a coach does. And what you just said really, I think, hits at what is so special about coaching as an art form, I'm going to call it, in terms of it really being like there alongside someone without trying to control an agenda or the pace, but being there to reflect, to ask questions, to clarify, to celebrate. I know that's a big thing that that you and I do with each other and something we really believe in. I know it's it's there sometimes to like say the hard things, to gently and compassionately challenge some of the things that are coming up so that somebody can stretch. But it's ultimately like everything is just in service of the person that you're working with and what it is that they want and what it is that they need in the exact moment. And that's what I heard you describe. It's like it's the exact moment and that is going to be unpredictable and shift. Yeah. And it's it's empowering. The opposite of empowerment would be disempowerment. So to take away your power would be to say, it doesn't seem like you can handle this on your own. So me as a coach, I'm going to step myself into it. That's as if to disempower your client. Yeah. To sit back and say, you are, you can do this. And to be a resource and a guide and a reflector and a question asker and a presser when it's necessary and a pullbacker when it's necessary. That's exactly what you're saying. That's the magic of what a coaching experience should feel like. Um, that you leave feeling more yourself, mm-hmm. not less yeah. yourself or less capable or like um, now in a way like codependent with your, like I can't do it without my Yeah, coach. that's what I was thinking about, that confidence and that the capacity building in a way, but that that I think one of the things that is also so powerful about coaching is that it's kind of like a container to really take control of your own choices mm-hmm. and thoughts and actions and decisions, like to take that driving wheel. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels good. You know, the analogy that I use with coaching, you know, analogies is like the way that I view the world. Um, but one of my favorite ones with coaching is soccer players know how to play soccer. Yeah. So the question is, why do they need a coach to see the big picture, to, to, to zoom out and see the field, to be a confidant, a resource, someone who can see, hey, it might be time for a water break. Um, somebody who can help you problem solve challenges that are specific to your situation. Um, 
you know, some of the feedback that's meant the most to me is that a client's experience with me was that it was so tailored. It wasn't um, algorithmic per se or um, formula, formulaic. Yeah. Where it's just like every client goes through this exact same thing. And these are the exact words that I use for each client. No, it is exactly what this client is going through in real time and then making the appropriate adjustments as the coach to keep them on track to achieve their goals, but not to push past the relevant messages that their body and their emotions and their life is giving to them. I like to use that analogy um, because it can feel sometimes frivolous to hire a coach. Like, why would I need a coach to talk to? I can just talk to my mom. You know, these are skills that are honed in order for us to um, effectively be an alongsider. I love that analogy and that visual and that way of thinking about things. And it also, it feels like the perfect segue into what I also think is one of your unique zone of geniuses, which is that I really feel like you are someone who does such a brilliant job of staying connected to your gut, to your body, to your inner knowing. You have a fierce commitment to listening and honoring that voice inside of you and to self-trust, which I know is one of your passions. Can you tell us about your journey with self-trust? Like, is this something that has always been really natural for you? I think this has been a bit of an upside down bell curve. I think when I was young, like little Catherine, I think was deeply connected, massively connected to her gut. Um, I was always a real um, like tight hugger and um, maybe an aggressive like lover. I just wanted like back rubs harder. You know, I always wanted, you know, I guess that's maybe just a manifestation of the intensity inside the way that my body feels. Um, and that gut knowing the instinctual, this tastes good, doesn't taste good, feels safe, doesn't feel safe, I think was really prominent in my young years. And then in my, you know, middle school, high school, college years, I would say it kind of took a dip down and was much more, is this right? Is it okay? Is Are other people approving of it? Is it, um, you know, a bit more of an externalization of my knowing into kind of the hands of authority figures in my life, um, you know, leaders that I had had placed there by others or that I had chose to, you know, put in my life. Um, and then in my late 20s and now early 30s, I've kind of returned back up to that much higher self-trust Um so it's been it's been a journey. It's not been like, oh, I I'm so confident, so sure about every single decision I've ever made. No, there definitely has been a process of reintroducing myself to self in my last decade of my adult years. Um self-trust, the piece about self-trust that I feel super super connected to is is a bit of a mindset shift because people would say like, "Oh, I trust myself," you know. Um, but I think there's often this uncertainty of, should I do that? Should I not do that? 
Is it right? Is it wrong? Should I make that move? Should I marry that person? And there's a lot of connectivity between rightness and the outcome. And when I talk about self-trust and in my coaching, this is, you know, one of the biggest pillars of of how I coach and from through through the lens of in a way it doesn't matter what the outcome is the win is that you trusted yourself yes so if your gut says i feel like i need to move to canada for those of you who don't know i'm in the us <laughs> um you know i just need to move to canada i feel like there's something there for me it's this longing in my heart, this deep guttural. It doesn't make any sense. Potentially, it might not. It might draw you away from your family. A lot of people are going to have opinions about it. Now, if you make that move and you trust that that's what's right for you and you make that move and it doesn't go well, there's a tendency to look back and say, did I make the wrong choice? But had it gone great, you maybe wouldn't have looked. So you're using this outcome to retroactively approve or disapprove of your gut instinct. And I think what's critical is to say it doesn't matter what happens on the outcome. The what was quote unquote right, you know, I don't love right and wrong or black and white thinking per se, but the right thing in this example was that you trusted your gut and there was something there for you. And that's the reintroduction of mind to body in a way. I know that there are people listening right now who are entirely resonating with everything that you just said. I feel like all of the time I'm talking to people who are swirling around in the spiral of indecision and mm -hmm. there's a part of them that maybe does know what they want or that even just is like this this experience of being so disconnected from self that there's like it's almost like my analogy would be it's almost like there's layers and layers and layers of stories and emotion and past experiences that have been kind of like pushed aside and need to be looked at or felt or rummaged through or cleared out a little bit in order to even get to what is that that true mm -hmm. self wanting. How do you start to work through all of that? Oh, Okay. I love this question um, because it's so easy. It's such an easy start. And, you know, and this, this is my hot tip for the day. If you feel like you are disconnected from self and wanting to start this journey, the very first thing that I recommend you consider doing, if it feels safe and comfortable and right for you to do, would be to spend a day listening to your body's signals and tending to them promptly. So if your body says, you know, how often do we feel like, oh, I, I need to go to the bathroom? And we're like, you know what? I'm just going to put it off and get this thing done. 
that period of time that your body has sent you that signal and you're saying, hold on, you need to just wait while I do this other thing. There's a, there can be this little subconscious message of, I heard you and you're not that important. What's more important is this. Yeah. Is this project? Is this paper? Is this phone call? Is this thing? Now, is it always available to use the bathroom immediately? No, that's not, that's not always possible. But one thing you can do when, if you cannot meet that need immediately would be to communicate to the need, even just silently. I heard that my body said it needs to go to the bathroom. Here's what I'm going to do. I know that she needs to go. Like, I'm going to acknowledge the signal. And I'm going to tell her I have a plan to meet that need. So same with hunger. Um, Body feels hungry. Food's not immediately available. I heard you say you're hungry. I have a plan to meet that need. We tend to, you know, if there is a person riding in our car, right? We're on a road trip, someone riding in the car, and they say, I need to go to the bathroom. Our response as the driver is to probably find the next available place, right? We're going to promptly meet the needs of others. But we tend to delay meeting our own needs or even deny that there was a need altogether. So this is where I recommend starting is just listening to those tiny signals. You feel cold? Put a jacket on ASAP. Meet that need. Help her. Help your body. Help him. Help they. Help them. Help whoever it is inside you that you are taking good care of. Take care of them promptly. Isn't there such a different feeling when we are actually taking the time and the care and the energy to meet these needs that are coming up within us. Like when, when that, when I'm doing that, I feel so much more cared for, so much more cared for. And I'm giving myself that care. And it goes back to what you were talking about in terms of like the empowerment, right? The, the fact that there is a level of control and choice, choice that's available. I think sometimes we can feel stuck or feel like it's not an option. I'll share this example because it absolutely fits. And the one that you, this example you gave of needing to go to the bathroom is is so great because we had a podcast guest, uh, Dr. Sarah Vadbunker, who's a naturopath, talk about that same example as oh, well. Really? And the way yeah. in which our body gives us these signals and we, you know, we don't listen to them. And uh, recently I in my own therapy appointments when I am the client. Um, This has just been recently. I've started when I have to go to the bathroom in therapy. I'm just like, okay, I have to go to the bathroom. Like, I'll be back. Yes. Like, and it was interesting because, I mean, I feel like, like, you know, when I used to work at the university, you just like hold it till the end of a meeting or whatever. You You don't get up in the middle of a meeting and go to the bathroom. But I had this realization that like, if there's gonna be a space to do it, it should be in therapy. This is like the time where it is about me, about taking care of myself, listening to myself, honoring myself. And so I've done it a few times now. And each time I come back and I'm like, good job. Like you cared yes. for you. You heard, you acknowledged, you met that need. And the story would potentially be like, oh, well, that's not fair to my therapist or I should. 
wait. Oof. You know, like all of those things. And it's like, yeah, in this context, it's my time, this therapy time. My therapist is delighted that I'm listening to my needs. And so if I weren't to go, it would just be me getting in my own way. And so yeah. your hot tip, I feel like there's so much there for people to explore and just to notice and get curious about the things that are coming up throughout the day and what they might be able to do to meet those needs. Yeah. The the way we say, like if I think back at, you know, I've got several nephews, one niece, and um, when I think about them and their my relationship to them and their relationship to me, I think to myself, if they say, Auntie Cat, can you get me a glass of water? My ability to build relationship and trust with them is not only that I get it to them, but meet that need as promptly as I can. Um, so to, in a way, personify yourself with yourself, that there's a relationship there and that your body is potentially like acting as my niece saying, can you get me a glass of water? How I build trust with her is to be a woman of my word to her, to show up and do what she's, well, do what I've said that I will do, which is show up as a, as a loving additional caregiver. You know, she has her parents, but, um, I think that that's, those are like the pillars or the structure of trust. Broken trust is when you expect something to happen. Someone says they're going to do it and then they don't do it. Yeah. And so that's where, that's where the trust fracture happens in order to rebuild it. We have to be women and people of our word first with ourselves. Yeah. So when your body says, Hey, I need to go to the bathroom. You can, I recommend meeting at ASAP or communicating with that need. I heard you. I heard you. And I have a plan to meet that need. You're not going to go without for long. That piece is so, I love how tangible it is. And it's, it's, it's often, don't you find those, those little, little phrases that we can say to ourselves, like that you've gifted us. It's so beautiful in terms of that concrete. I hear you. I have a plan. You will be cared for. And this talking with self is is so important. And I feel like I don't know if 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 you would use the same words necessarily, though I think the sentiment is is still there. But like ultimately I think what what we're all really searching for is a sense of connection mm. and like that feeling of home inside ourselves with others in the world. And if we think about being in service of that, the first step is, is listening. And the second mm -hmm. step is acknowledging. Mm -hmm. And so it's so beautiful. I wondered if we could talk for a few moments because the last guest that we had on the podcast, Heather Dressel, we were talking about just like the importance of feeling emotions. And I feel like you 
are someone who just does such a great job of holding space for multiple emotions at the same time in others as well as in yourself. Mm-hmm. And for creating space for all of those emotions to have a seat at the table, creating mm-hmm. space for all of those emotions and all of those different parts of self to be heard and acknowledged and like to be seen, just like we were talking about, you know, like there's that example of seeing the body, but there could be multiple parts that are wanting to be seen and validated and affirmed and held at the same time. I'd love for us just to spend a few minutes talking about this. Yeah, this comes from, um, so Dr. Richard Schwartz is the um, founder of the concept and modality of internal family systems. I am not internal family system certified, um, but I am fairly well informed about it. And it's been um, a really transformative strategy for my own life. And I think the the way you're describing that is somewhat of a filtered down, um, kind of simple, really digestible version of, you know, the maybe more formal modality of, of IFS. But the base layer being we're made up of all these parts. And, um, you know, you might think to yourself, well, a part of me wants to stay in Oregon. Another part of me wants to move to North Carolina. Another part of me wants to be single forever. Another part of me wants to be married. Another part of me wants to just sleep all day, you know, in the sun or be be on vacation every day and never work. These parts are all part of kind of the big picture of self and, um, and there's an endless amount of them. It's not like each person has 10 parts and 10 parts only, and they're not all the same per person and new parts can show up. So it's a really um, um, dynamic um, concept. But what I found has been really transformative in my own life and then using this strategically within my scope for coaching has been to acknowledge and teach my clients who come in and they're like, well, I, I shouldn't be feeling this. And so if we back up from what I should or should not feel and instead neutrally acknowledge the feeling as if someone had just walked in a room, as if anger just walked into the room, we can just say anger walked in the room rather than, oh, that brat anger is just taking over again, you know? Um, When we do that, when we come to our feelings with a little bit more neutrality, we have a chance to sort of acknowledge them, interact with them with more effectiveness. So if we acknowledge that anger has stepped into the room, that doesn't mean sadness has to leave. Sometimes it just means anger is taking over and she needs her voice heard. And as soon as we acknowledge anger, it sounds like you have a lot to say. Anger might even back down a little bit. And then we can say, like, I hear that you've got a lot to say. There are other people in this room that have something to say as well. Maybe hope is sitting here. Maybe little version of you is sitting in that room. Maybe um, maybe joy is sitting in that room too. Anyways, this is all just to describe that we have a tendency to pigeonhole ourselves into being only allowed to feel one thing at once. So if you're feeling sad, that's the only thing you could feel. 
and um, what transforms inside our bodies. That tension that can release is when we say to ourselves, you can feel sad and mad. You can feel sad and so hopeful. They're so, and joyful or, and confused. Um, so I think that the process of acknowledging that more than one feeling can coexist inside at the same time can set ourselves free from a little bit of that black and white thinking like you're either happy or you're sad. Yeah, exactly. And I was actually in the the last episode that w- was released, I was actually talking a little bit about joy. And I was talking about you also, because as you know, in our buddy coaching container, one of the things when you were coaching me that we were working through was my own relationship with joy and the stickiness, the slipperiness of that, the avoidance of even Mm -hmm. like claiming that I shared in the episode, like I had a a goal about joy and then I kind of threw it out the window and changed courses. And then I ended back there. If we go back to that idea of things being messy, that things get all messy and knotted and intertwined. And it's amazing in a way because it means things are so rich and full and there is this like dynamic nature to life and to our experiences. Would you say that when it comes to self-trust, one of the things that's so helpful is being able to name some of these different parts, almost like to start to pull apart the entanglement a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I think the entanglement is really natural. And I think that's where we can get into, like we were talking about before, that really spirally, swirly, don't know which direction is up, so afraid of making the wrong choice um, decision-making can be. Um, One simple way of acknowledging that is to just name it what it is, like you said. Like, I feel really swirly. It feels really unclear inside. That's okay. That's okay for it to feel really unclear right now. What doesn't, what, what I think we want to show up with is a lot of clarity so that other people aren't confused. And I think one way that we can say that we can really honor where we are showing up in the world is to say, I feel really uncertain. Yes. Naming it. It feels really, it feels really unclear right now. I'm not sure the answer. I'm not sure if I'm going to move yet. I don't know if he's the one. That's really okay. That's a really beautiful way of honoring um, the truth inside rather than making up a story or saying, something really definitive just to make somebody else comfortable. It's their discomfort where, where you're at is for them to handle. Mm -hmm. If you're comfortable with the swirling, then you can stay swirly as long as you need. Mm -hmm. And if you're discomforted with the swirling, then you can go find a coach or a therapist or talk to a friend. There's so many resources, books, podcasts, time alone, so many modalities, so many resources to, to unswirl. But you may also just need time. And that's okay to take up the space that you need for that. Such a beautiful conversation. I feel like there have been so many moments of just inspiration, but the type of inspiration that feels just like that coming home, that grounded, soulful, like a big hug. 
I truly hope if you're listening that that is the way that you felt getting to hear from Catherine today. It certainly is how I felt. As we leave our way to the end of the conversation, Catherine, is there anything else on your heart that you want to share? You know, I would just like to share with y'all that um, your gut instinct is for you. And someone else's gut instinct is for them. So sometimes we can entangle ourselves with the choices and the lives of others. Like, why would they make that choice? Why would they move here? Why would they do that? Why would they marry this person? Why would they divorce this person? It doesn't make sense to me. You know what? Because it's not for you. That gut instinct is driving their decision-making. The same that your gut instinct, your intuition, what feels right, what feels safe, what feels soft, what feels gentle, what feels encouraging, all of that is yours. Um, so I think I just want to leave y'all's audience with, with that, that your gut instinct is for you. So it's okay. If it doesn't make sense to somebody else, that's okay. If your relationship doesn't make sense to somebody else, that's okay. This relationship's for you. Is it serving you? Is it helping you? Is it growing you? Is it changing you? Is it a soft place to land? Those are the questions that you should ask yourself. Is my gut leading me? And is it okay if it doesn't make sense? Because I think that's a pretty poignant question. Is it okay with you if your gut instinct doesn't make sense to other people? That can feel, that can feel like a hard question to answer. Thank you so much for not just your presence here today, but your presence in the world. I am certainly like abundantly grateful doesn't even cut it for how much I love having you in my life. And I just get so excited thinking about not just the ripples, but the waves that you are making in the world as you help people connect with their self-trust. Because gosh, I really, really, really do believe but when we are connected to that self-trust, we show up in ways that are so much more loving and kind, not just to ourselves, but to others. Thank you for being here, Catherine. Thank you for having me. It's been a true joy to be in your presence today and to talk about these things. They mean so much to me. And just like you said, self-trust, I think, is when we trust ourselves, we can often give ourselves the permission to trust others with their own lives. And that can be a real healthy untangling. So I am all for it and cheering all of you on on your self-trust journeys. It honestly makes my heart sing that I got to introduce you to Catherine today, someone who has had such an impact on my life over this last year and as part of my journey to becoming a coach. I'll be really honest, I've been struggling with self-trust and confidence myself. If you're curious about this, it's something I talk about in episode 63, how to rebuild your confidence. And it is a continual journey for me. I'm so grateful that I have people like Catherine in my life who I can look to as this like bright, shiny example of what is possible. As always, I'd love to hear how this episode landed for you. What questions did it spark? What insights bubbled up inside of you? You can reach out to me 
either on Instagram at Megan L. Johnston, send me a DM, or by email, hello at meganjohnston.com. Until next time, keep living with heart and wonder.